Hey, hey, what's up, guys? It's Jordan with the Laundromat Resource Podcast, show number 50. 5050. I can't believe we've made it this far. So, so excited and pumped to be here with you. 50 episodes and just really humbled that we've made it this far. And not only that, but we've just been growing by leaps and bounds way beyond my wildest belief. So very, very cool and very, very fun. And hopefully you guys are learning a ton uh, about business and about life and uh, just, you know, enjoying every second of, of the journey. Uh, today, Today, I'm double pumped because not only is it episode 50, I want to have somebody special on for the big 5-0, and we do have someone special on. His name is Tom Donnelly. You may have seen him if you've been over on the forums. He had a couple of posts a little while ago about a direct mail campaign uh, that he did that was like crazy, wildly successful. In fact, led him to the laundromat that he just purchased. Uh, I'll link to both of those forum posts down below if you're on YouTube or on the show notes page, which is laundromatresource.com slash show 50, show five zero. Big one. Wow. Um, but if you want to check those out, check those out there. Uh, but yeah, Tom is, uh, he's a real estate investor, just bought a laundromat, relatively new owner, and is actually traveling around living in an RV, uh, brand new thing that he's doing and does the interview from his RV. Very cool. And, uh, man, I mean, you got to hear how he pulls this off. It's very cool. So super pumped about that. Speaking of the forum over there, I just want to encourage you stay active over there. A lot of like just cool conversations happening over there, questions getting answered. But more importantly, even than the questions that are getting answered over there, and there are a lot of good questions, there's a lot of great information going back and forth over there. But even more importantly than that in my book, and it's a theme that's going to come up throughout this whole episode is uh, there are people getting to know each other over there. And in fact, it was really cool. I was looking at the new member introductions forum um, and I'll link to the forums down below. It's just laundromatresource.com slash forums. Um, and there's a new member introductions forum. There was a cool little mastermind happening over there with some people in Georgia. Uh, somebody introduced themselves over there. And then a couple other people from Georgia started connecting. They started sharing phone numbers and bam, now they just have like a group that they're uh, working together, laundromat. So very cool. Get connected, man. This, my whole thing with laundromat resource is I want this to be something by laundromat owners for laundromat owners. And so making these connections, not just with each other, but with other people in the industry that can help you succeed in this business. Super important to me. So head over there. There's a ton of conversations going on. There's valuing laundromats that are losing money. I thought that was a really interesting topic conversation. I'd love to hear what some of you guys have to say about that. Um, in the laundromats forum, uh, coin box capacity, retool estimates. I mean, there's just like a lot of questions happening over there. A lot of discussions going on. So go ask a question, answer a question, be a part of that community. And again, start making connections. That's what's going to uh, leapfrog your success and, and shortcut the time it takes for you to find success in this business is starting to get to know people in this in this industry and helping each other out. So make sure you're doing that. Let's jump into it with Tom Donnelly and hear about this very unique way he's owning laundromats and how he's living his life. Tom, thank you for coming on the show, man. I am super excited to hear your story. I know you have like a really cool thing going on. So thanks for coming on, man. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Uh, dude, it is my honor and privilege, and I cannot wait to hear your story because I mean we were talking a little bit before this, and dude, what what you have going on is like super cool. So want to hear all about it, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and like maybe give us a background on you? Yeah, yeah, excited to share everything I've, I've learned so far. So yeah. Um, Tom, I am originally from Chicago, moved out to uh, San Diego about five and a half years ago. Nice. And then these, this, uh, these past two months made a big transition. My girlfriend and I moved into a 40-foot fifth-wheel RV trailer. Um, big transition. Yeah. We're no man, so we love being on the road. We love being able to travel. And COVID put a big damper on that last year. Um, yeah, you know, we go on multiple international trips a year. We couldn't do that last year. So we said, all right, it's the next best thing. Let's get a trailer and let's try and make this thing work. So we are about seven weeks in, um, loving it. You know, I was, as I was telling you before, the first month was pretty hectic trying to figure out the space and all that. But <laughs> we're settling in. We're getting into that flow state. We're figuring it out. And we're loving it so far. So yeah, I didn't go too far. I'm out here in Palm Springs, which is two and a half hours from San Diego. So yeah, <laughs> still a familiar place, um, which I think was good for the first couple months. And uh, yeah, we're uh, we're heading out of state here this weekend. So yeah, probably won't be back down to Southern California until next December. Yeah, until it starts getting cold, you got to retreat back to the <laughs> safety of the SoCal warmth. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're both from the Midwest, so. Once that snow starts coming in, I'm like, yeah, oh, we got a little it. bit and yeah. retreat to the sun. <laughs> so, uh, dude, that's that's wild, man. I can imagine. Uh, I mean, I just moved uh, last year in like August, and we actually moved to a bigger house, but still, like the amount of stuff that we got rid of, even to move to a bigger house, was wild. I can't even imagine going from like that to like a 40 foot RV. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you go through like a purging stage where we did it over six months. We're selling stuff on apps and Craigslist and Facebook marketplace. And then you get to a point where you're a couple of months in where you're like, I'm just giving it away. Like yeah. can't sell anything <laughs> else. People not showing up, you know, negotiating prices. Like, I'll start giving it to friends, putting stuff it, out yeah. in the alley. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, if you know it, it's hard to let go of it at first, but once you do, it feels great. Um, we literally packed up everything that we had and we put it in a small U haul, it was like eight by four feet. Drove it out to the fifth wheel. We picked it up in uh, Utah at the end of January. Whatever we had in that U haul was pretty much everything that we owned. Um, so yeah, we just started lo loading it up the day we got there, and we still realized. We still have too much stuff. So <laughs> kept purging. It's oh probably take about another month to just go through more material items. All right, do we actually need this or do we just want it? Um, you know, overall, I think we did pretty good. My girlfriend Aaron did, did great. You know, and we're sharing a closet now and uh, you can only have so many clothes, you know, right. in a 10 foot closet. So <laughs> whatever fits in there is what we have. Yeah, that you're sharing a ten foot closet. You're sharing, yeah. Holy cow, man! Well, I mean, it sounds pretty wild, and uh, I just, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like a, a yard sale where you have a yard sale, and then like Sunday afternoon, 
like everything that's left suddenly becomes free. You know, you're like discounting it throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, it's like free, like just take it. And the people are buying yeah, one thing and you're like, here, take four other things. Just take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it got to the point where our friends were like, stop trying to offload your yeah. stuff on us. We can't I, handle it. We don't want any more stuff. We're trying to get rid of stuff. Too. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah. But pretty cool process. And not one that you would typically assume a laundromat owner can, you know, can like a lifestyle that you can have. So I'm interested to hear about that, but let's get into your, your journey toward laundromat ownership. Cause I know it started more in real estate, right? It did. Can you tell yeah, us a little bit so, about like where you were and then how you got into real estate and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a, um, a 10 year uh, sales tech job that I just left in September and three years ago, 2018, you know, I had money sitting in a savings account and it, it wasn't making any money. So I was literally at that point where I'm like, all right, what do I do with this money? How do I help myself achieve financial freedom? That was always one of my goals. So, mm-hmm. you know, just looked into different ways. Real estate was one of those things that always kept popping up. I didn't know much about it. The only experience I had was a condo that I bought with an ex, you know, years before, and we lost money when we sold it um, in the real estate crash. So I was turned off by it for a, a couple of years there. But that was just me owning that personal primary property. I didn't know anything about the investment side. So once I started digging into that and learning about it, listening to podcasts, reading books, you know, it's one of those things like most investors, you get addicted to it. And you're like, why, why didn't I discover this, you know, 10 years ago? So we went, I went from 2000, that was actually 2017. I started learning, um, consumed as much content as I could within about six months and then made the decision like, Hey, it's time to buy, buy a property. Um, I was out here in San Diego. Didn't want to put any of that money towards real estate out here. because I was looking for passive income. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my goal of appreciation. So looked back in the Midwest, uh, ended up landing on Omaha. Um, properties were really cheap there. So I found a low risk property, you know, made some contacts, kind of found my boots on the ground there and just built a team. Um, and then bought a couple of properties there that went really well um, over the first couple of months, which, you know, led me into some more properties, buying Airbnbs in Tennessee, some small multifamily up in Michigan. Um, and then most recently, the laundromat and the commercial building that the laundromat's in. So, you know, that's, that's what happened over the, the scope of those three years. Um, the biggest decision for me was leaving that comfortable job that I had for 10 years this past September. Because, you know, money was good. Um, I was working remotely, so I didn't have to go to these meetings. But, you know, I reached the point, I, I reached the point where it just wasn't fulfilling anymore. And telling people the situation that I had on the outside, they would look at me and said, you're crazy. Why would you leave a job like that? Mm-hmm. But honestly, I was probably three to four years overdue. Um, there were some changes happening within the company, which it was just kind of a sign from the universe. Hey, this is time to get out and, you know, go, go live some of your passions and do the things that you want to do. Take this investing thing to the next level. Wow. Okay. Well, let's... Let's back it up a little. 
And okay, so you bought out of state in Omaha first, right? Mm-hmm. And that went well. How did you choose? I, I don't want to get too far into the real. I mean, I'm like, I love the real estate <laughs> side. So I, yeah. I do want to, but you know, it's a laundromat podcast. So, but sure. a little bit, I mean, I think there's a lot of overlap between, we were kind of talking about that between real estate and laundromats. And a lot of people who own laundromats own real estate. And a lot of people who own real estate should own laundromats. So I do want to talk a little bit about uh, real estate. Uh, so how did you pick Omaha as your market? Yeah. From pretty from San Diego. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I, I had about three other markets. I was looking at bigger markets like Indianapolis, Detroit, and Cleveland. And a buddy of mine in San Diego had worked for, or he works for a landscape architect firm that does these big projects around different cities. And the cities that they've done them in, property values have appreciated if they were somewhat close to that park. Mm-hmm. So his company had just won a bid in Omaha. And he's like, hey, have you ever thought about you know, looking in Omaha to buy real estate? No. But that led me to starting doing the analysis. And I'm just seeing the scope of, okay, here's what it's done the past 10 years. Here's what happened in, in the real estate meltdown. It didn't crash as hard as a lot of the other markets. Um, so there weren't really any red flags. It was a pretty stable market, not huge appreciation, but also not these huge massive crashes like a lot of other markets. So mm-hmm. to me, it was the less risky um, approach for my first investment. So yeah, flew out there and met with a couple of people. And after that, you know, started buying properties. You were there. I love it. And then, but then you didn't stay in Omaha. You went to other markets. So where'd you go next? So I went to Michigan next. So okay. <laughs> I'll tell you a fun fact. I've actually never seen any property that I own or the laundry method I own. So I haven't seen <laughs> anything that I've bought, which is... <laughs> It's it's funny, but I'm also at this point where I just booked a trip at the end of at the end of April to go to Tennessee to see the properties and then drive to Atlanta to see the laundry map. But um, ended up in Michigan because we're gonna talk more about there. that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. <laughs> I love ended that. Ended up in Michigan because I had a buddy that I met through a, a real estate mastermind group that he was living there. He had already owned some property. He was raving about the passive income properties were dirt cheap. You know, you're talking like 80K for a five unit. Um, and, you know, cash and cash return and all that good stuff was Jeez. really high. So, right, we're not also not that risky. We can put some money into it. We'll get good returns. Um, so, bought a couple there and then. Ended up going down to Tennessee afterwards, which is another story in itself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you, I mean, basically, you decided to go from Omaha to Michigan because you had another buddy who was looking there too. So you guys just decided, okay, well, you know, this worked out okay in Omaha, so let's go to mm-hmm. Detroit, basically, and uh, not even Detroit. Okay. These are smaller municipalities, so. One of them's like Bay City, or they're actually all in Bay City, Michigan. So okay. smaller city. Um, again, I was looking for passive income and not these huge appreciation plays. So mm-hmm. to me, it was appealing. So okay, what I'm in Omaha now. I have a couple properties there. Let's diversify in that, you know, a little bit next. 
that one seemed like the next best choice because my buddy was already buying properties there and having success. Yeah. Very cool. Is it, is it like a rough neighborhood? Is it what they call a war zone or is it, it's just a good market? No. Yeah. C class B minus properties, um, mostly blue collar. You get some young white collar people in there. Yeah. Uh, not, not rough neighborhoods by any means. Um, you know, just C class, low B class neighborhoods. Okay. I, I don't want to like, I don't want you to tell any of your real estate secrets without anybody buying your 999 course. But are you, I mean, are you finding, I'm just kidding. I don't know if you have a course or not, but yeah, I don't, I don't have uh, a course to sell, but maybe you should. Yeah. <laughs> Do it before this podcast goes live and I'll link it. Uh, the, uh, how are you finding these deals? Are you, are you going through like a, like a turnkey or are you looking on MLS? Are you hooking up with real estate agents? What are you doing to find these properties? Yeah, hooking up with agents and wholesalers. So and, and when I decided Omaha, I went on the Bigger Pockets forum. Mm-hmm. I reached out to about 30 people that were listed as agents. Two people replied. These two guys ended up being partners. One of them was a wholesaler. The other one's kind of an agent investor. Um, so once I synced up with those guys, those guys seemed pretty legit. They already had their boots on the ground. One guy was holding a local real estate association meeting, uh, every month. So flew out there to meet those guys, show them that I was serious and just, you know, liked everything that I saw with them. Um, some pretty standup guys, pretty straightforward. And then they turned me on to lender, local lenders, um, property management companies. So it kind of all snowballed. So you know, all that stuff that you're learning from podcasts and people that have been doing this years before, you're like, oh, this, all this is actually is true. Like once <laughs> right. you, you meet one person, they has somebody else to refer to you. And as long as you find the, the solid first couple people, you know, they're going to turn you on to other people that you want to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's true. Like the best people work with the best people. Right. And if you want to become the best, you got to work with the best so if you find the right. first couple of good people, then you're you're in good shape because they're going to be working with good people. That's how they yeah. got to where they are. That's awesome. Exactly. Okay. So, all right. So you went to Omaha, you bought some properties. You went to Michigan, you bought some properties and you thought, I know, I need to go to Tennessee. <laughs> like what? <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> well, I was going north. So I'm like, all right, what's yeah, the opposite? T- time to go. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... Through that real estate mastermind group I was a part of, two guys wanted to get into the Airbnb management space. Mm -hmm. Um, So the three of us ended up starting the company and we managed at our highest point, I think like 22 Airbnbs that were spread out throughout the country. Um, A person that we met who's from that, like Tennessee, I think he's from Florida, but he spends a lot of time in that Tennessee area. raving about how big of a vacation rental market is and there's, there's like 12 million people that go through that market for, for years it's, it's pigeon forge gatlinburg mm-hmm. basically all cabin rentals and it's within like eight hours driving and i think like i don't know 20 or 30 states some crazy number like that so a lot of people can just hop in their cars and drive down there and not have to fly their family um so got turned down to that market ended up um didn't manage any properties there but kind of researched that market for about six months and was just seeing the appreciation that was going on we started 
connecting with other investors that own properties there. And they were getting these huge returns and they weren't spending an astronomical amount of money on properties. Now, little that has changed with the, the way the real estate market's been the past year. Yeah. Um, but, but I ended up buying the, my first property there like two weeks before COVID hit. So like my calendar was booked out for two, three months. COVID this, hit. This is an Airbnb <laughs> property, right? It's an Airbnb. Gosh. It got wiped for like two weeks. But then after that, it was booked for the entire year. Oh. Like, I, you know, almost the entire year, um, I had maybe one to two days of vacancy on that property per month. So it ended up going from like this big oh crap moment to, okay, this is actually working out really well. And the research, you know, what, I, what I've seen uh, this, this market do in the past during crashes is kind of holding up. So there's something to this. You know, let me put some more effort in there. So real estate wise, I've put more resources, time and money into that market as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense if you can't really go, there's no like hotels and there's nowhere to go with your family, right? Then the Airbnb actually makes a lot of sense to, to yeah. do, be able to still get away a little bit and be with exactly. your family. So, yeah. And that's, you know, I'm looking at the book and you got, these couples and families driving up from Detroit, New York, Carolina, people that just wanted to get out of the house and mm -hmm. go somewhere, but they weren't flying anywhere. So uh, I got, you know, grateful and lucky that that property worked out as good as it did last year. Because if it, if it was complete opposite way, we'd be having a much different conversation. Yeah. Right yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Well, yeah, that had to be, scary though initially when when everything just shut down and i could i could imagine you know and i feel i feel for all yeah. the like the business owners and you know stuff where in the tourist industry all over where you know people either had been going or had just opened up and then everything just shut down and I a lot know. of those people aren't aren't coming back you know so that's that's tough so i'm glad it worked out uh, cause like you Thank said, you. we'd be having a different conversation or maybe no conversation at all right now. You know? <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah. yeah. True. Okay. So you got into Airbnb. So not only were you in a different market, you, you went for a different model of real estate investing also. Mm -hmm. Good. But that was not enough excitement for you. <laughs> so nope. what happened after that? <laughs> I mean... What'd you do from, when, uh, when did you buy that Airbnb? Like a year, a little over a year ago? Yeah, it was February of 2020. Okay. So 13 months ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, as you can tell by now, I, I like to diversify. So I don't like putting all of my eggs in one basket in one market. Right. So it's all right, let's jump around. And, you know, if one market doesn't do so well, these other properties in this other market can hopefully take care of the losses of, of the other one if needed. Mm -hmm. Um, so about that same time when I purchased the property, I was telling you it was March, 2020, um, part of a mastermind group for abundance and somebody had posted in there, Hey, I have an opportunity to buy two to three laundromats in Northern California. I know nothing about them. Anybody in the group own them or they good investments. And literally there's, I think there is like, 15 to 20 replies and then everybody was tagging like the same three or four guys like talk to this guy you know he owns one and this person has been in the industry for a while 
I kind of watched that conversation play out and it just got the wheels turning. And I, I didn't know anything about laundromats. Um, reached out to a couple of those guys that were commenting and tagged on that thread. One of them being Ken Wimberly, who's one of your guests. And, yeah. you know, I talked to him and he had all good things to say about how his, I think he built, if I remember correctly, he built a new store that was going well. There's a, some other guys who've been in the industry for like 10 years. And they basically all said the same thing. You know, if you buy it right um, and and you go in with the right expectations and you try and be within like the top 10 to 20% of operators, there's no reason that it won't work. You know, as long as you do your due diligence and you're buying the store and it's in the right area and all that. So, you know, once, once I heard that, I was already kind of convicted. Um, which I started doing some research on Google and that's when I actually came across your podcast. So Hey, showed up first, on Google. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the first podcast I ever listened to about laundromats was the episode with you and Dave Menz. Oh. And, you know, hearing that one, like I remember, I think I was driving to like a personal training session and listened to it there and back and I was all fired up and I'm like, all right, this, this is going to happen. Like, just got to decide where we're going, where I'm going to do it. If I'm going to partner with anybody, uh, do I want to do it alone and, you know, kind of figure out all those, all those steps. Yeah. That's a, I mean, you got suckered, man. Cause that was a good episode to get suckered by. Uh, and if yeah. any, anybody listening right now, if you haven't listened to that episode, it gets mentioned a lot on here. Cause I think that one really stands out to a lot of people and it's by far the most popular episode of, of all of them. It was episode two. So I'll put a link uh, in the show notes, or if you're on YouTube, it'll be down below in the description. Uh, if you want to check out... Well, if you haven't listened to it or watched it, just you need to, if you have any interest in laundromats, because it's a it really, out. really good episode. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. A lot so of you, value in that one. Yeah. A lot of value and you'll get pumped up because you know Dave, who's now Dave, the laundromat millionaire man. So check out laundromat millionaire and his YouTube and his website and stuff. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, but he's, he'll get you fired up, man. Cause he's passionate about this industry. So, all right. So you got suckered by Dave Menz. I'm going to blame it on him. Got sucky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Gosh, man, that guy. Now, I'll put you in contact with him so you can give him a piece of your mind. Uh, so, um, okay. So you got, you got excited, you got pumped up. And so, yeah. so what'd you do from there? Yeah, I got pumped up and started thinking through it and just writing out ideas and what was realistic. So I, this was March, of, we'll call it March of last year, March, April. <clears throat> I had already known by that point I wasn't staying in San Diego and that we were going to hit the road. Mm-hmm. So I kind of scratched San Diego as an option for even buying a laundromat there because we wanted you know, somebody to be in that town to go check on that if we needed, if we needed to. So... Reached out to my buddy, Matt, who's the guy that I'm buying real estate with in Michigan and said, Hey, I got a great new investment idea, laundry mats. And one of his responses, laundry mats. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Laundry mats. He's like, okay. <laughs> and just started getting into it. And I'm like, Matt's a great dude. And literally after a day or two of talking to him, I think maybe he did a little research. He's like, all right, I'm in. What are we doing? I'm like, all right, great. Let's start reaching out to the owners in your city. He's in Marquette, Michigan. There's like five, 
six stores, maybe seven max. So like we'll build a list of all the stores, we'll start calling them, we'll put together some letters and we'll send them out. So we did that, got calls back from three of them. I remember specifically uh, when it wasn't going to work in this market. Like I had two people call me. One of the owners wanted 500K for his store. His store was grossing 40K a year uh, with net operating income of like 15 to 20K. So I'm like, Dude, okay, like, what a bargain, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> ROI is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the discount. Yeah, <laughs> um, seriously. And then had another conversation that was similar to that. And the other people that I talked to just weren't interested in selling yet. So we kind of just planned the steeds, you know, with the hopes of down the road, something will change. So then we, him and I were kicking off, you know, the wheels are turning now and we're kind of, okay, what market can we go in? Where do we know other people? So we ended up talking to Todd who lives down in, in Atlanta, just north of Atlanta. He's uh, another guy that I met in a real estate mastermind group. So we had all already known each other for a couple of years. Only Matt and I had done the real estate deals together. We haven't, we haven't worked with Todd, but we've been talking with him. He's buying real estate on his own. Um, you know, also looking to get out of the rat race. So reach out to Todd. He loved the idea right off the bat. Um, he grew up in like Atlanta metro area. So just loves that whole area and everything that the markets have to offer. So I was like, literally, he kind of sold us on that market. And he's like, there's hundreds of laundromats down here. Um, let's start reaching out to them. I'll have my wife basically build out a list of the ones that are within the proximity of where we want to be and where we'd actually want to purchase them. So that's how we ended up going down to Atlanta and, you know, Literally within two months, it went from just me to me and Matt, and then me, Matt, and Todd. And then we really honed in on that Atlanta market. We said, all right, this is where we're going to make the deal happen. So, you know, one of the things I, I kind of tell myself when I get into um, a new industry or investment is I'll give myself like three months of good, solid research to either make the conviction or not make the conviction. And then once I make that decision, it's it's either time to take action or on to the next thing. So it's kind of at that point. We need to we need to pause right there. And if you're listening to this, you need to rewind it about 15 seconds and listen to that again. I can't tell you how many people I do coaching calls with who have been thinking about getting a laundromat and researching laundromats for years, sometimes literally decades, right? And what I love about what you just said is you put a set timeline, do your research. In three months, you can learn everything you need to know to be able to get yep. started in laundromats. You can if, you know, if you're working at it. Put yep. a timeline on it and then, and then put it to action. If you make a decision and if you're going to go for it, then do it. And if not, then don't do it and look for your next thing. I love, love, love exactly. that. Yeah, I want to put that on like a t-shirt or a poster or something because that's amazing. I mean, I love that. It's so good. It's so so. Go listen to that again. And pump yourself up. It's gonna be great. <laughs> put on some eye of the tiger when you listen. To that's right. Yes. Get real pumped up. That's right. I love that. Right. Okay. So, yeah, sorry. I mean, sorry, I interrupted you. To... Keep going. No, no, no. no, no. I'm glad. I'm glad that was a valuable nugget. 
Um, but yeah, that, you know, going back to that, it was like, all right, learn everything you can in three months, maybe even sooner. And then it's either time to make the decision to keep moving forward and move on to something else. So we decided to keep moving forward, narrowed it down to Atlanta. Um, we built out the spreadsheet of about call it 80 stores that we were calling. Most of the time we couldn't get past the employees. There's a couple of stores. We talked to the owners, you know, they weren't interested. They kind of have this weird perception that you're a telemarketer that you want something from. So, you know, just explain like, Hey, it's, it's me and two other, other investors. We're looking to buy our first laundromat here. We buy real estate. Um, we're interested in buying your store. They didn't get anywhere with that for about a month. Then we said, okay, let's send out some mailers. So, you know, I, I never used a mailer um, system at that point. So I literally did like just typed them all out, hand wrote all the envelopes <laughs> and sent them out. So I don't know, it took maybe four or five hours in a day. Um, I think the hardest thing was licking all the envelopes and then getting them to the uh, printing stamps on them from the USPS. And within a week, we had people calling us and out of those 80, 80 mailers, I think maybe 12, 12, 15 people called. Now, given only three of those were real leads, um, we still kind of gained interest from about 15 people. So just seeing that response out of that first mailer, honestly, I didn't expect to get more than one to two calls, if any calls, because it was our first one. And mm -hmm. you, you never know, right? Like in real estate, markets could be pretty saturated with mailers and ads. Mm -hmm. So I, I was just taking you know, what I knew from that, and I'm like, okay, we'll get maybe one or two calls, maybe none, we'll just do this on a, on a monthly basis. Well, we got all those calls. Um, we ended up getting a laundromat under contract within, I think, like maybe two weeks after doing that. Um, once we got into due diligence, we started figuring out the owner was hiding maintenance costs and things weren't adding up right like todd went there on a sunday to coin collect and her husband accidentally coin collected the night before even though she knew that we were coming that day so we just started there's a lot of red flags so mm -hmm. after about a month we're like all right we're excited we have this one under contract but is it really the best decision decided no so we scrapped it um moved on to the next lead which you know there was there was two other ones um, the one which we ended up purchasing ended up being a really good deal. Um, happy to get into the numbers if you want me to, but, um, you know, this guy lived out on the West coast. He was in California. He bought this laundromat in 2013. <clears throat> he thought it was going to be more passive than it actually was. Um, and the thing he didn't want to put the money into it to get it to where it needed to be. So this thing was kind of being run into the ground, but still making a decent amount of revenue. So, you know, we get to talking to him, um, wants to sell the thing within a couple of months. So we get into the details. Okay. How much revenue is it making? You know, how old are the machines? Machines were, some of them were like 40 or 50 years old, which is absolutely crazy. It's, Maintenance costs were thousand fifteen hundred bucks a month just for machine repairs. Um, a funny, not so funny story. We actually had one uh, almost kind of catch on fire that we had to take out <laughs> out of the store. So like, <laughs> these things just need to go. So 
you know, we're looking at his P&L and there was really no uh, net profit on it. So I'm taking what I learned. Like, how do we value this store? We'll use a 3x to 4x multiple off the net operating income. Off of zero? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What's that? I said uh, three to four times zero. For the yeah, operating is, <laughs> <Zero>. yeah. <laughs> Any calculator that, out for that. I one. mean, we can multiply it by hundred. Yeah, if you want. <laughs> we're going to give you a hundred x because we're generous. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I'm having the kind con- conversation with him. I'm like, this is how we value him. You know, he's got this thing depreciated to the cent to mm-hmm. for tax reasons. So I'm like, uh, you know, maybe we'll offer you forty grand for it just put feelers out there. So I'm not going to take that. I bought it in 2013 for 175. I let go of it for a hundred thousand. You know, me, Matt and Todd, I'll talk about it. Okay. Well, you know, what if we pay him a hundred thousand, but we tell him he's got to do seller financing and carry the note for seven years. So we did that. Um, we said, Hey, we'll put down 10%. We'll pay the hundred thousand. And we just needed to carry the note for seven years at this rate, a five percent rate. I said okay, like, okay, great. Like we're in this laundromat; it's grossing 160k a year. Um, you know, it's it's got three employees uh, that are running the store, so we don't need to be there every day. <clears throat> and everything just kind of aligned with it. We didn't have to put a ton of ton of money into it. So, it didn't seem like a huge risk to us when we went and had him bought it. So did that, got into due diligence. <clears throat> the owner was very transparent about everything, the costs and um, maintenance and, you know, what he's paying employees and all of that. So everything just kind of aligned. We didn't feel like there was anything we were going to walk into that was going to kind of be like the, you know, crap moment when we purchased it. Mm-hmm. Did it turn out that way? Yeah, for the most okay. part. So, <laughs> so yeah, we get this under contract, and while Wait, it's under hold contract, on, hold on, hold on, real quick, I want to go back. Is yeah. this one of the mailer, uh, the mailers leads that it you is. got? Okay, this is one of the mailers. Okay, I mean, I remember uh, when you posted about your mailer experience on the forum, uh, and that I mean that thread I think really ignited a lot of people on the on the forum. Cause people were like, Holy cow. Like you had that much. I think everybody was kind of surprised at how much success yeah. that you had. And I mean, you basically said, Hey, I have all these leads. I can't do anything with them. Like what, what is yeah. anything? It's- anybody interested? Is there anything <laughs> like I can do with these leads? Uh, I remember, yeah. I remember that. And like people were pretty excited about that. So, okay. Yeah. So this is one of those. How did you get the addresses for the mailers out of curiosity? We just sent them to the laundromat. Okay. We didn't. We didn't actually call the owners' mailers. Um, so on the envelopes, I wrote to the owner of, and then the address. So that way, it would keep a lot of the employees from opening it up and throwing it away. Right. Yeah. Smart. Uh, okay. So you kind of negotiated the seller finance deal, which is awesome. You only had to do ten percent down, which is awesome. Um, but you have these older machines now, right? Mm-hmm. And you live thousands of miles away from, but you have a partner in town basically. Right. Um, yep. and, and you decided to pull the trigger on this thing and owner finance the deal. Okay. So I interrupted you again, but okay. So tell me how, how did it go after you guys took yeah. over? Yeah. So, I mean, even before we get into that, like, so as we have it under contract, 
I call the landlord and I say, Hey, we want to get this, get this thing on a 10 year lease with two five year options. And he was running it at about a thousand a month, which was a good five to eight hundred dollars under market rent, mm-hmm. if not more. Older guy in his 80s, and he's like, You know what? I'm not going to sign a lease that long because I want to sell the building soon. If I do that, it's going to value it. And he said, Sell the building. You know, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. How much do you want to sell the building for? Started having that conversation with them. Um, so we ended up actually getting the building and got that under contract and closed on it almost the same time as we did, as we did the laundromat. So it's a, it's a small commercial building. There's four units in it. Um, one of them being the laundromat. And just looking at the whole thing, um, you know, from a bird's eye view, we said it makes sense to buy the building, not have to worry about the lease, really build up this laundromat to where we want it to be at. To be at and then we either hang on to it and then down the road you know if we do go to sell it now we have the building and the laundromat and we can package everything it's going to be a lot more valuable and we don't have to worry about the lease issue with anybody mm-hmm. so so yeah i think the the building was more dilapidated than the laundromat when we got <laughs> into like due diligence of that you know finding uh, rodents and like just rent that's built and that is built up in like uh, you know different vents and things that deferred maintenance that hadn't been taken care of that needed to be taken care of. So um, we closed on both of them almost the same time within a week of each other, and this was early February of this year. Um, closed on the laundromat. There there wasn't any major surprises when we closed luckily now i mean we've we had we've had our issues right like we had the, the washer that you know the smoke started coming out of it and we had to take the thing out of there because it's so old come on that's yeah, a big right? deal <laughs> <laughs> part of being a laundry matter right? <laughs> um just, yeah, we had a coin. Our coin machine broke on a Friday two weeks ago, so we were scrambling to get a new coin machine. They both went out apparently on the same day. So oh, one of them was able to get fixed. The other one we had to replace, so we did that. So you know those little things that kind yeah. of pop up, but the revenue is covering all the costs right now. So all that stuff that's happening, we're paying from it from the business. Um, we're, 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 we're getting to the point of like, we're figuring out the foundation of the business, which mm-hmm. it, it takes a little time, especially being a couple thousand miles away. Yeah. Cause yeah, we have the three employees. Um, you know, we got these old machines. Todd's the only one that he, he's about 40 minutes North of the laundromat. So he's there two or three times a week. So he's the only and one so, who's seen it even. He's the only one that's seen it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're 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 kind of getting to that point now where we're under understanding like the ecosystem of it, how the employees work, the work that needs to be put into it, um, customers perception, and all of that. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it took a little bit of time when we closed on it. I felt like there was a hundred things that came up that we had to do that we didn't know we had to do, like getting a business license and, you know, reaching out to the fire marshal and having them inspected. Just all these little things, you kind of just take them on as they come. But overall, I would say we're pretty happy. Um, And I I always tell Todd and Matt this, you know, being in the partnership 
takes a lot of stress out of being in this alone because mm-hmm. there's three of us doing it. We all kind of pick up uh, each other's weaknesses and, you know, we everybody's able to kind of work off of their strengths. So the areas that we're not strong in, the other one is. So it kind of uh, meshes together well. And, you know, the other thing too is if something happens and we had a bad month, well, now we have three people that cover the expenses and it's not just coming out of one person's bank account. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely strength in in a partnership like that, right? There's, you know, some people are very anti-partnership. Uh, well, let me ask you. I mean, you know, some people are very anti-partnership. Just you know, when it comes to real estate investing or partnering in business. Uh, yeah. t- I mean, tell me, talk to me a little bit about why you decided to do partnership and what you think it takes to to make a partnership work. It's like being in a in a marriage. Honestly, good communication. It's what I tell everybody, and that's the one thing we discussed when we got into the partnership. Is <clears throat> rewind two years ago when I was in that Airbnb management company. There was three of us. Our partnership. We did everything wrong. Ended up hating each other at the end of it. And I told myself, I'm never going to get into a partnership like that again. Mm. But you know, as I was doing that, I learned a lot from that. And I learned to not overlook certain things and put the blinders on if you're going to partner with somebody. So if you are going to partner with somebody, I would say make sure it's somebody that you trust. Um, don't overlook any of the red flags. Make sure that person can communicate well with you. You know, the three of us, we're all very growth-minded. So the fact that we could go from talking about laundromats to family life to, you know, what's our happiness index this week. It, it just all meshes together really well. And that's if one of us wasn't in that same mindset and they were just focused just on the money part or, you know, something else, maybe it wouldn't work out so well. Um, so yeah, I would say do your, make sure you really get to know the person that you're going to go into a partnership with and don't put the blinders on you know, and try and convince yourself that it's a good idea if you really know it's not. Yeah. I think that's really good, really good advice. But I also like that you said that you, you know, you were in a partnership that did not go well and that ended badly. And, but like you took that lesson and, you know, even though you initially were like, I'm never doing that again, you decided to put that lesson to use, right? And that's kind of it's similar to my situation with laundromats, actually, where I bought this laundromat. It was a horrible experience. I still have pain, you know, from this my first laundromat experience and that I'm still dealing with, you know, all these years later. But, you know, I got to a point where I was like, well, I can either, you know, call it quits and never do it again. Or, you know, these lessons I paid a lot of financial money for and also emotional, you know, capital spent on these lessons, you know, to to get this wisdom, I can put that to use and help me further, you know, what I'm trying to do, help me grow more. And, you know, I love that you you did that. And, you know, it's probably too soon to tell how this one is going to go, but I'm guessing that it's going to go much better than your last one because you decided to take those lessons and apply them and, you know, approach this partnership a little bit different. So I love, Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. That is very growth mindset. Abundance 
mindset, if you will. Find a, yeah. Find the silver lining and everything, right? Yeah. So there's a lesson to be learned even in the time when you're like, why is this happening? It sucks. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, there's a lesson there. Yeah. A lot of times you got to wait till you kind of weather that storm to learn the lesson, but it's there. (laughs) (laughs) If you're looking for it, you'll find it eventually. But you know, when you're in the middle of the turmoil, yeah, it's, it's tough. (laughs) It's tough. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. So sorry to take the partnership detour, but I think that's a really important one because a lot of people are looking for different ways, looking for creative ways, right? To get into this business. Maybe they don't have as much capital or maybe they have capital, but they don't have a lot of time. Um, and we see, you know, we see people on both ends of that spectrum all the time. Um, and so partnerships can be a really good way to alleviate those, you know, whatever you're lacking, whether it's time and effort and energy or knowledge or money, whatever it is that you're lacking, partnership can alleviate that. But uh, like you said, it's important to approach a partnership like a marriage, like it's going to be. Uh, that's serious because it, you know, it is like, it's a commitment that you're making to each other. So I love that. Love, love, love it. Okay. So you, uh, I mean, you're, you guys are pretty, pretty new into this laundromat journey here. You know, you're just like a couple months in here. Uh, what, I mean, have you guys talked about what, what your plans are with this laundromat? So right now it's, you know, it's running basically how it was when you bought it. Right. Minus that, that washer that tried to burn your whole place down. <laughs> yeah, we lost the washer. Yeah. Rest in peace, washer. Yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> we're in pieces. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. in pieces. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, right when we bought it, we knew it needed new machines. So, we've been getting quotes um, from different people or different distributors, I should say. And, you know, everything that I've heard about distributors being a wealth of knowledge, like all of that's really held true. Um, I feel like when you find a good one, they kind of seem like they put your best interest first. Uh, I haven't really talked to any, but been like super pushy and I'm trying to buy a machine to put more machines in areas, you know, that could convert. Um, so, yeah, we, we've gotten a couple of quotes. We actually have a call tonight. We have our team call at 5.30 Pacific time every Wednesday. And this morning we were texting. We said, hey, tonight's the night. We decide which distributor we're going with and that we're buying new machines. So we're, we're actually going to replace everything. Um, you know, I'm open about the cost too. Like the, the cost for machines, we're probably going to spend 280 to 300K. 37 new machines, 24 new washers, uh, 13 new dryers. Now the distributors we're talking to, um, we're probably going to go with, I think Dexter is what we're going to go with, you know, as long as like ever, we look good to them on paper, they'll do pretty much a hundred percent of the financing. Mm-hmm. I think at most we have to come out of pocket. I think they said probably 10%, but we're hoping to get a hundred percent of the finance. So it is a little scary to put in that much money into a new store, but the way I'm trying to look at this is like, okay, if we were going to build out a new store, we're kind of going into it, not knowing anything outside of the research that we've done. So we already have this concept that's working. It's already bringing in revenue. Um, all the complaints that we get online are about machines not working and everything just seems to you know, kind of lead to us 
needing new machines and that kind of turning around the store. So um, we're probably going to place that order by the end of the week. I think they're backed up until July. So we probably won't get those new machines till July. Um, and then once we get that, you know, I'm kind of like our marketing and sales guy. So <laughs> put up a Google or working on the Google, my business page, responding to reviews. We're going to do some marketing. Um, actually put up uh, a post on the CLA about, cause our store is kind of hidden from, from the main street. And I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, we have this hidden store. What's a good way to, to get, you know, get it out there. And the responses you get are hilarious because they're all <laughs> over the place. Some people are just like online presence. It's all you need. And there's another guy. He's like, get a, I put a hot air balloon on mine that just said laundry and wash on it. And he's like, the response rate I got out of it was fantastic. But then I had to take it down because I was violating code and the city came <laughs> and shut it down. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Of course, that's <laughs> exactly. when they find you, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so our goal is like we'll get new machines. We're going to redo the floor. Um, we're going to work on building out the wash track fold. We already have that. We, mm. we think we could should be able to triple that. So... I'll start calling, you know, some commercial accounts like restaurants, uh, caterers, even like high schools for people coming to to wash um, uniforms. I haven't done any of that yet, but we'll see where it goes. You know, there might be something there. We'll do that. We'll do some online marketing and just keep trying to build up as much foot traffic and awareness as we can, you know, into the store once we get it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. What, uh, what what factors were you guys considering when you were when you guys were talking about the um like the getting new machines and what distributor to go with what what were you guys looking for were you are you looking mostly at the machines are you looking mostly at the distributor what are, what what factors were you considering financing you know there's a lot of yeah all of the above honestly um at first there was a distributor and since we're new to us, you, you know, making sure that nobody was trying to pull wool over our eyes and, mm-hmm. and charge us a lot higher than we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, every distributor we talked to, we talked to three of them. Everybody saying is very like genuine, very responsive, and seemed like they wanted to help us. And you know, they're not just trying to sell us these new machines. So once we got past that, then it came down to the machines. And, you know, the reason we're going with Dexter is um, not to say any other machines are bad, but from the research that we've done, I've seen a lot of praise for Dexter and how they hold up and uh, owners just being very happy with them. So, you know, we, we get that. And then if we go with Dexter, we get Dexter pay installed um, as part of the, the cost. We have to pay extra for that, which is a, an app pay system. And, um, you know, just the one thing we really liked about Dexter too is, and I'm sure most new machines do this, but is the way that the store is networked and we could see how much one machine is making at any time. So, Hey, what's the 60 pound, you know, machine on the back wall doing? What's the 20 pound closest to the front door doing? And you can just see all that. And that way we can get a better grasp on where wash drive folders as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I just, I'm just curious about that because I get asked that a lot. Like, what am I, what am I looking for when I'm looking for 
you know, new machines for my store? Should I be looking for, you know, machine type? Which one's the best? You know, should I be looking for a distributor? How do I know if it's a good distributor who has my best interest or not? You know, and like you said, it's kind of all the above. You're looking for that package of, you know, what kind of financing deal can they offer or can you get through, you know, another Mm -hmm. lender? Um, You know, how is the distributor going to be helpful? Are they like a, um, basically like a drop-off service where they just sell you the machines, drop them off, and then you're on your own basically, or are they going to help you out? Um, And are those machines going to hold up and do what you need them to do? And you know, give you the information that you're looking for. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And we asked like, once we decided Dexter, we asked for referrals, talked to one of them, the store owner that went with them is very happy with their service and machines and all that. So it just kind of helps the conviction. The other thing too, like when, when you first start talking to distributors and you're green to the industry, you're kind of like, Oh man, I don't know much about it. You know, these people are going to know that they're going to try and take advantage of me they don't care, right? Like they're there to help you if they're a good distributor and and somebody that wants to see your business grow. So like once you get over that fear and let them know, it's the first one, the first quote I've ever got, you know, go to the store, give us a a complete remodel and drop of what you think we should do. And then let's get on a Zoom call and, you know, meet the two other partners and you talk about it, what our different options are and, and just kind of talk through it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good, really good advice. And, you know, I think what you said is important because I think a lot of people do feel like, ah, like, should I pretend like I know what I'm talking about, even if I don't? Well, first of all, they're going to know pretty quick. You know, if (laughs) if they've been around for a little while, then they'll know. Uh, But second of all, almost all laundromat owners are first time buyers. Like, there's, you know, there are obviously multi-store owners, but almost all of them are first-time buyers, right? Mm-hmm. Even the multi-store owners were first-time buyers at some point. And so that's who distributors are used to working with, right? Is people buying machines for the first time. Um, so yeah, so don't be afraid of that. But but if you are afraid of that, I mean, it's where talking to multiple distributors and you know, seeing the different things they have to say, the different ways they present information, the different options they give you, um, you know, that'll, that'll help you kind of figure out who has your best interest in mind. And hopefully, hopefully they all do. And you're choosing from between good and good. Uh, but sometimes you'll be choosing between bad and good. And, and that'll become pretty clear if you're talking. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's, there is no rush, right? Or like, let's give this a couple months. Let's talk to, like we talked to Dexter, Speedframe, Mwasomat, and then we compared the prices and they weren't that far off. We liked all the distributors and our conviction at the end was Dexter. So unless those two guys tell me something different on our call tonight, I think, yeah. I think we're going with Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. By the time this thing comes out, you're going to have Speed Queen equipment in there. <laughs> Moscow mat. <laughs> Getting installed right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I have more questions, but I think a lot of it's going to come out through our section called Down to Business. Uh, let's get down to business. Over and out. Uh, and that's just an opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about your business. And again, we know like it's pretty, pretty new. 
um, mm-hmm. that you've had it and you've actually never been there or seen it in person. So, uh, so it should be a, should be a fun down to business to hear about your business <laughs> from your eyes. Yeah. We've only seen it probably through zoom or pictures or whatever. So <laughs> and the security cameras. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The security cameras. Um, okay. So uh, you're in the Atlanta ish market, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you own, you own one laundromat. How much real estate do you own? How many units do you own? Do you uh, know? 12 buildings total. Somewhere around like 30 units total. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And then are the four, just out of curiosity, this is my curiosity. Probably nobody else cares about this. Yeah. Um, but the four units, including your laundromat in that commercial building, are those your only commercial or do you have other commercial units also? It is. No, this is the first commercial building that I bought. Cool. So yeah, every, everything else is residential, small multifamily, Airbnbs. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. You're like, all right, Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, let's go to Michigan. Okay, let's go to Tennessee, but let's do something different and let's do Airbnb. And then you're like, okay, let's go to Atlanta. Let's do something totally different and let's buy a laundromat. Oh, and while we're there, let's get commercial real estate, which is also different. So I just love it. You got a lot of diversity of markets, but also a lot of diversity of uh, investment type too, which actually is a good thing. So yeah, you're getting a lot of good, a lot of good experience under your belt. So you can go in a lot of directions in the future. It gives you a lot of flexibility. It's pretty cool. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, did you say you started doing real estate investing three years ago? Yeah, almost three years ago to the mark. Uh, I'm closed on my first one on March 21st, 2018. Yeah, man, we're at the so, end the end of March right now when we're doing this interview. So that's uh, that's pretty cool, man. You you covered a lot of ground in in three years. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. You know, honestly, like with the partnerships and the one thing I always tell myself, and I, I heard this from, I think, somebody famous was like, never be the smartest guy in the room, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if you could constantly partner or be in these groups with people that are challenging your, your thoughts, your decisions, holding you accountable for things, it just, it takes your level of success to a level at a faster rate, I personally think, than if you're trying to do it on your own. Um, yeah. especially if you get around like successful people that are also good people, you know, they're working on it, all aspects of their life. So yeah, that's one thing that I really like try to, to live by is never being the smallest person in the room, which doesn't, that's not hard. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then yeah, you know, just surrounding yourself with people that are motivated, but also good people. And who we meet, we'll talk about business, we'll talk about life, a little bit mix of everything. And, you know, somewhat balanced. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, it's so funny because like I've, I've changed so much, you know, my, my natural inclination is, is to like the lone wolf thing, right? That's like my natural, that's like my background. That's where I came from. That's how I grew up, you know, and that was kind of my mindset. And it's taken me a lot of like stubborn like mistakes and setbacks and stuff to get to a point where I'm like, no, actually it's like, it's way better if I'm learning from other people. You know, Mm -hmm. I I always was like very, 
proud that like if people asked if they could help, if there's anything they could do, I'd be like, no, I got it. Like I can do this. And I catch myself doing that still just saying yeah. no, but, yeah. but I'm starting to see the value in now, actually, if you're like super good at doing this thing and, you know, I'm sure I could do, you know, I'm like pretty confident in my abilities to do like everything, probably like to a fault, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I could do that. Whatever it is. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, letting people who are experts in whatever it is, you know, do their thing and or give you advice about their thing or help guide you about their thing is going to get you farther faster than if you try to figure it out yourself. And that was one of my big lessons buying my first laundromat where I essentially tried to figure it out myself and didn't, didn't go over so well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sucks, right? It's like how, what everybody says, like you kind of have to go through the school hard knocks and make some of those bad decisions. And I was the same exact way, like one more, do it on your own, like, you know, accomplishment by yourself. It's an individual thing. And since I've, I've worked on that and tried to dissolve like some of that part of my ego a couple of years ago, like honestly, I find myself having a lot more fun with it too. Cause you know, people say, yeah, it's lonely at the top. It is if you stay on that path the entire time you're doing it. But if you change lanes and you talk to guys, you know, like you and me and surround yourself with people like that all the time, then it's not because now you have somewhere to go to share your successes, not feel bad about it. Um, also share your losses and get guidance when you need it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And too, like, I mean, there's three of you, right? So like when something goes down at your laundromat, like, like a machine's catching on fire or whatever, or you're trying to make a big decision. Like, do we invest 300 grand in new machines right now? All of a sudden you're not making that decision on your own using Mm -hmm. your own experience and your own wisdom. You're tapping into your partner's experience and their wisdom and their observations and their research and and all that. And you're making a collective decision, you know, together. And when you're leaning on, uh, you know, experienced owners and you're talking to them or you're listening to the podcast or you're reading on the forums or whatever you're doing, like, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's way better. (laughs) Like it's, it's so much better. Agreed. Uh, I like you just made a great point. It made me just think like you've talked to people that have been looking at laundromats for years and decades. Those people listening, find that partner that will go take action for you. Yeah. And go talk to the laundromat owners and distributors and then learn from them. Partner with them. Like if you put it out there, you'll be able to find somebody. And if you can't get past that fear of, you know, doing the unknown, then find somebody that will and partner with them and you'll learn a lot more doing that in a couple of months than, you know, another year of reading books, listening to podcasts, reading for. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that. Going right back to your like set a time period to do your research and then commit to making a decision one way or another, you know, at that, yeah. at that point in time and then start taking action, you know, whether that's taking action and researching a different topic or taking action and making it happen. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Exactly. I could talk about that an entire podcast episode, but yeah. um, I I need to start like two more podcasts. I'm going to start one about real estate <laughs> investing, and then I'm going to start one just talking about you know abundance stuff and and oh man, because I just I love yeah the abundance conversation. We we should have a, an episode on that whenever you're ready. 
Uh, yeah. I'm going to get into that. Dude. I Yeah. I will, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. Okay. And, and I, you know, I just think that that is such a needed conversation to have in our industry. And I think there's more and more of us who are catching that vision in our industry. Uh, but for so long, we've, we've not had an abundance mentality in our industry. We've had a very, very closed off mentality. We've not shared information. We've not shared stories with each other. In fact, we haven't even wanted other people to know about our industry, kind of guarded our whole industry as a secret, you know, for a long time. And mm-hmm. I, frankly, it's probably why our industry is kind of behind the times a little bit here. We're yeah. trying to catch up now, but yeah. uh, we're, we're behind the times, you know, and it's, I think, largely because of that. So... We will do I, you and I, and maybe we'll invite like one or two other people. We can have like a conversation about that. I would love to, man. All right. I'm ready when you are. You heard it here first, people. You heard it here first. (laughs) We're doing it. Uh, Look forward to that one. That'll be awesome. Okay. Uh, Where are, well, okay. So I don't even know if you know, but you know, how much does it cost to do laundry out in like the Atlanta area at your laundromat? Yeah. So it's talking about VIN prices. Yeah, VIN prices. Yeah. So I mean, we're we have uh, twenty pound machines. We're t- we're charging around like two dollars, thirty pounds around like three three twenty five, um, forty around four dollars, and then we have sixty pounders. I think they're around seven dollars. Okay. Um, now when we put new machines, those will go up probably by twenty five percent, maybe a little bit more. I think we're going to kind of take the distributor's lead on that. And if he thinks, you know, we can push a little bit higher for having brand new machines, we might. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the double-edged sword, we also don't want to turn off our customer base or, you know, overcharge them to a point where they're not going to come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that balance is tricky, but it's an important balance mm-hmm. to find. And putting in new machines is a great opportunity to set those prices, um, you know, right, you know, from, from the get-go. And because, you know, one of our struggles, I hear it all the time from owners, you know, in our industry, one of our struggles for the majority, I think, of the industry is raising prices and knowing how and when to do that. And I love Kent uh, Wales a couple episodes ago shared he he looks at his prices and plans to raise at least something two times every year, which is like, whoa, like that was like a big wow. eye-opening, you know, thought for me to to look at. And now I don't yeah. think he's raising his entire store twice a year, but you know, maybe certain machines or, you know, he's checking out the data yeah, and seeing where, where he wants to put people. And I like the idea of having that schedule, you know, where two times a year, I'm going to look at my prices and see if I need to raise them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's smart. Yeah. Raise those prices when you get the new machines in and start it off on the right foot. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like we're putting the energy and the effort into it with the money, like putting new seating in, new vending, new flooring, possibly new, uh, that drop tile ceiling. So like as we're redoing all that, you know, just building a better community around it. It's it's a higher quality store now, right? We're gonna be washing mm-hmm. clothes at a higher quality. So we have to charge a little bit more than we, we were before. 
yeah, you're not going to pay off your $300,000 loan breaking even every month. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A loan might keep me up at night for a couple of months, but yeah, <laughs> well, we're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, you know, the, it is. The, with the technology now, though, like you get a dashboard with these machines and you can figure out when your slow hours are. You can set different um, discounts, you know, from two to four on a Monday if you want to. All doing that online when you have to be in the store. So having the control to do a lot of that with some of it just gives you a lot more peace of mind. Um, you know, the other thing we're, we're talking to, dis- to the distributor about too is doing like six months of interest only payments. So, you know, for people listening to, I try and do that on all my real estate deals too. Like always push the lender and say, hey, can I do six to 12 months interest only? And while I'm building up that foot traffic, building in, you know, having more revenue come in. So that way it takes your payment, in our case, from being 4000 a month down to 1500 a month for six months. Yeah, that, and that's huge. And that gives you the ability to kind of ramp up, like you were saying, like ramp up that business to be able to cover that loan payment because it won't happen, yeah. you know, right away, right? It's that if you build it, they will come mentality where, you know, mm-hmm. it would be awesome, but the word has to get out and people have to kind of come check it out. And so that's where the marketing comes in and all that. So it does take a little time to ramp yeah. up, but it will happen. Yeah. Uh, well, what, what do you, I mean, if you know, I mean, again, it's pretty, pretty young into your journey here, but do you have any sense of yeah. turns per day? What you're, what you guys are doing? Yeah. So according to our employees, we're doing about three turns per day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weekends a little bit more than that. But right now, we're, I think industry standards like three or four, and we're sitting at about three. Our most, our busiest days um, are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as I would imagine most laundry mats are. Yeah, so, pretty typical. Yeah, you know that. It goes back to the machines because we keep having to fix all these machines and people going in there and there's not a working dryer or washer. And looking at our reviews and store reviews from other laundromats, I swear all the bad ones that I see are about broken machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you have all your machines running and they're doing their job, people seem to be pretty happy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think people don't like that slot machine aspect where they're like, they put their money in and they're not sure if they're actually going to get a wash or not, you know, cause yeah. you know, if, is the machine going to work? Is it not going to work? Like exactly. The suspense in that sense is not fun for them. So. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the type of suspense you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. And are you, are you doing full coin? Well, you'll do the Dexter live app, right? When you get those in, if you yep. go with Dexter. Yeah, if yeah. we <laughs> if Speedy Queen's not being installed right now. Right. Um yeah. So right now they're all coin, but we'll install a Dexter Live, Dexter Pay and you know, start building up that app pay business. I've heard talking to different owners, I've heard anywhere from like thirteen percent to forty percent of their business is app pay. So I don't know if maybe that depends on what area you're in, but I like the idea of having it there and I think over time that concept gets more popular, um, you know, within all stores and all demographics. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, how much time are you spending 
right now on this business? Are you spending much time? Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what you would be doing other than like prepping maybe for the marketing <laughs> stuff. What are you watching the live cameras? Yeah, right. <laughs> that can't um, suck a lot of your time up. Okay, <laughs> what's going on right now? Yeah. I honestly working just on the store itself an hour, two hours per week. But you know, talking to partners and like deciding mm-hmm. all these other things, talking to distributors and all that, I would say probably three to five hours, maybe six hours a week. Yeah. Um, but I, we're also at that point too, where like it's it's really exciting for us. So okay, like you put in the new mach- machines, like we're going to do marketing and sales. You know, you don't have to do that. But that's something we want to do because we want to see how much we can get out of the store. So yeah, we're doing that, and then we actually started another letter campaign last week. Um, so on to trying to find the next one. On to the next one already. I love it. You know, you catch that laundromat fever, and you're are you are you looking in the same market? Same are you, area. Are you moving to Europe or something? Where what's happening? <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> we've been in Atlanta for like two months, so I should yeah. probably go to like Florida or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, same market. We have a good thing going on there. So our goal there is if everything goes as planned and these stores keep working out, maybe have a portfolio of three to five stores um, and then hire an, an operator where we could remove, you know, Todd or one partner and then just have somebody that's going around in the stores and operating them. Nice. I like that. Sweet. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a section called Secret Sass. And that is, you know, what's, what's a piece of advice you have for existing owners that might help them improve their businesses from your vast experience so far? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a ton of experience owning the store yet. Um, So I think my value more comes in for the people that are listening and getting the, you know, trying to get that first store. Pro tips. Going back to set that timeline, how much, you know, what's your learning timeline, set that cap and then start taking action and build out your, your action list timeline. Like for us, you know, once we start taking action it's the first two months, call stores, we don't have any leads by then, then we put together a mailing campaign. Mailing campaign was going to be more consistent. We were going to do that monthly since we ended up buying one from the, the first campaign. We put that on hold and we just launched you know, our second letter last week. So just get out there and, and take action, right? Like small action steps literally every day just gets you so far. And there is a quote I had on my computer for a long time. And it said, ordinary things done consistently over time produce extraordinary results. Just a reminder, right? Like you don't have to get to that end level tomorrow or next year but if you keep making these small daily actions towards your goal you're going to get there so whatever it is you know calling a distributor signing up for cla start reaching out to laundromat owners even if you don't want to buy theirs tell them that you're interested in buying a store start talking to them and just start getting a feel for the industry and what you're going to deal with the walk through stores i mean there's so much you can do before you even make the decision to buy one um, but yeah, no, that would be my that. advice. 
Yeah, I love that. That's a good, uh, it's more on the pro tips, which is advice for, for newbies, which is awesome. I mean, cause I think it's great advice. And again, like I love your, uh, your emphasis on, you know, set a timeline and then start taking action, like to learn and then start taking action. And I like the, uh, you know, I even wrote down what you said, your quote, forget the quote that's on your computer, your quote of taking small action steps every day, you know, will take you, it's going to take you far. Um, and that's true. Right. And I think it's hard for us to think about like, okay, if my goal is to like buy a laundromat, well, that can be like really intimidating. Right. But if you break it down into small action steps that you can take every day, like contact, you know, a laundromat owner a day, it's a small action step, like send a letter, uh, you know, to a few laundromats or, you know, sign up for the CLA or jump on the forum and ask a question or, you know, small action steps. But if yeah. you're doing them consistently, like you said, that's, I mean, that's the path to accomplishing huge things, right? Like, yeah. 30 plus units in, in three years. Like that's incredible. That's like crazy. Um, and awesome. Uh, well, I want to go back to secret sauce because I feel like you sold yourself short a little bit there. Um, (laughs) because while you may not have, or maybe I set you up to sell yourself short with my little joke about not having a ton of experience, but, um, while you may not have a ton of experience owning a laundromat, first of all, you have a ton of experience owning investments. But I, I really think that for you, a big part of your secret sauce, like it's a theme that's run all throughout your whole story, is uh, you know having like the, your whole not being the smartest person in the room. You know, networking. Um, one of the uh, one of the um, I've mentioned him on the podcast before. One of the guys I love to listen to is Dan Sullivan um, from Strategic Coach. And one of the things that he always says is think who, not how. And actually, mm-hmm. I think he just came out with the book, Who, Not How, um, which I haven't read, but I will read because I love what he says. But um, you know, it, the basic concept of it is like, hey, you know, I want to get into laundromats. And it's not... Don't think, okay, how can I do that? Think who can help me make that happen. And that's exactly what you did, right? You, like you went to your first friend in Michigan, you said, okay, he can help me make this happen. But you found out that wasn't going to work. So then you thought, okay, who else can help make this happen? You found your friend in Atlanta and you know, you guys jumped into it together and and there you go, right? Like it's yeah. you have a laundromat and you're off to the races. Listen up, it's the secret sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I'm problem solution solving, right? Like, and somebody's laid out the model before you. It's like one thing I've realized, you don't, you're not recreating the wheel or doing something that hasn't been done. So find the successful people that are doing it, model them and start taking action. I mean, what, you know, I think I told you, like I picked up or I listened to your, your podcast last May. And that was the first time I listened to a laundromat podcast or um, that was kind of the first time I started learning about laundromat. And I mean, here we are not even a year later and we're looking to purchase our second one. And it's not like we, we didn't do anything special, right? We're just following the steps that you take to achieve your goals and get to where you want to go. And, and here you are, the pinnacle of your life are. on the Laundromat <laughs> Resource Podcast. 
<laughs> There's nowhere to go but down from here. For you. I know. And so huh. you're gonna have to grapple with that after this is over. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but seriously, I mean that's that's what it is, right? Like I love hearing that because, like I said, I talk to a lot of people who, you know, will listen to the podcast for years, or who will research, or who will engage on the forums, or who will read, or who watch YouTube videos, and never end up owning a laundromat or a real estate investment or whatever it is that they're, you know, that they're mm-hmm. into. And, and that's not really to fault them because it is scary, right? Like that first step, that's a scary step to take. But I love what you said earlier yeah, where you agreed. said, you know, if you're too afraid to take that first step, find someone else who isn't afraid to do it and partner with them, you know, and just, yeah. you know, borrow their courage basically um, and, exactly. and take that step. But that's the whole problem solution thing. Problem solution. Just, there's a problem, just find a solution to it, right? Like we couldn't buy one in Michigan, so on to the next market. And, you know, one other thing to note too about the letters, like people that are afraid to call stores, if you send out letters, those people that, reach out to you or reaching out to you for a reason. You're not making a cold call. And that I think that could help a lot of people get over that kind of first fear by reaching out to to approach somebody to buy their store. If you do send out letters, that person contacts you, there's some kind of interest there. They want to know what can this person offer me or you know, what angle are they taking? So have the conversation with them. They're most likely going to be um, somewhat welcoming if they're reaching out to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, and the same is true. Like if you pop into a laundromat, just drop a letter off, whether you talk to somebody there or not, I encourage you like, just drop a letter off with them and introduce yourself and let them know what you're looking for and that you're interested. Yeah. You, you never know what comes from. I mean, like think about it. If somebody reached out to you or me, like looking at this from a year ago, like, yeah, you're nervous calling that first store. But if somebody called, me and I'm sure you and said, Hey, I'm looking to buy my first laundromat. I'd actually be very interested in like, Hey, what, what made you call my store? Like how far along in the process are you? Yeah. And like, you know, even if you're not going to sell it at your store to them, probably give them a couple good tips. Absolutely. Yeah. And I found the same, you know, goes both ways actually. And if you, um, one of the things that makes it easier, I found for a lot of my coaching clients to reach out is Come with a, you know, yes, with, you know, a message that, hey, I'm interested in buying, but also have something to give too. So like if they're not interested in buying, say, okay, yeah, no problem. Let me know if you if you become interested down the line because I'm looking, you know, just remember me. Um, and here's something that I found valuable. You know, for me, it's easy. I'll, you know, I'll mention my podcast or my website or whatever, or the forums. Um, and you can, you know, you can do that too. Um, but it could be whatever, something that you feel like might be valuable for that owner. And then all of a sudden it's not like a, Hey, I'm trying to get something from you. It's like, Hey, I have something to give to you too. So if you're not interested in selling, no worries, check out this article or check out this podcast episode or check out this video that might help you, you know, with your business. And that way it feels a a little more like, you know, mutual. It's abundance mindset right there. Exactly. That was a very good point. Yeah. Um, all right. We have another section called recommended resources. Uh, you got any resources you might recommend to help people grow their business or just themselves personally? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for the laundry, my business, um, you know, like I said, first podcast I listened to, <laughs> it was yours. I'm going to plug your podcast on your podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. 
Appreciate that. Good looking out right there. I got, I got you, man. <laughs> um, this, the CLA, the Coin Laundry Association, like I was hesitant to pay the 300 bucks to sign up for it. And I can't tell you how many times a week I'm in, on there. I post about once a month, like asking about mar- like asking about marketing, asking about machines, anything. And I mean, you get all types of response from all different types of owners all over the country, which is awesome. It's just a cool forum. You can go on um, and see what other people are doing for you know how they're growing their walk dry fold business or they're having issues with customers, how to raise reviews. <clears throat> that's the CLA has been a huge, uh, huge, huge uh, resource for us. And then for the growth mindset, you know, I said I was in the, the Go Bundance Mastermind group. Um, for people that don't know what that is, I mean, it's an entrepreneurship, accountability, networking group that's growth minded in all aspects of life, right? Like a lot of guys that join that have already figured out the finance vertical of their life but they haven't figured out the relationship the spiritual contribution giving back so just becoming a more well-rounded person i've been a part of that group since 2019 and you know it's one of those things just surrounding yourself with the right people um helps keep you in the right mindset all the time and challenges you and helps you grow so yeah i was telling you beforehand i'm super jealous that you're in go abundance because i I got my eyes set on that. So I'm working on it. Come on, man. Let's I, go. I know. I got to get in there. <laughs> I got to get in there. So uh, that's. You already did the research. So once I, I've done, I know. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I've already made the decision. Like I'm, I'm in, uh, you know, yeah. I just, I have some other decision makers to pull along, you know, with me. So okay, yeah. that's, okay, <laughs> that's where I'm at with that one. So it's a process. It's a process. I'll get there. But, but now it's out there. So you can, you can hold me accountable to that. Speaking right. of holding people accountable. I'm gonna um, check back in with you. Yeah. Right. I know. <laughs> I love that. Uh, all right, dude, this has been, this has been awesome. Like I've like thoroughly enjoyed this cause you're doing things way like you're, you're literally in your RV right now, uh, doing this podcast as a laundromat owner, as a real estate investor out in the middle of the desert, uh, just loving, loving life and, and looking for your next location to take your RV out to. And it's so, it's so cool to just see the different ways that people are doing this thing and are enjoying it. And not only that, but you just, you brought so much like wisdom and just good, solid advice and not even advice, but just like good, solid, like, Ah, like, yes, like, <laughs> like light I'm glad, man. advice, man. Like I'm just, I'm so pumped right now. Uh, just after talking to you, because the way that you approach, uh, life and the way that you approach business and the way that you're approaching your investing is just, I, I think that's what a lot of us are striving for, right? It's like, we want that freedom that comes with, uh, you know, having, the financial side taken care of for one, but also just having a mindset that allows that freedom, right? If you, if you don't have that abundance mindset, it's really hard to get the freedom that we're all looking for. And, uh, I just love, you know, all the things that you shared and how you got there. Um, and think, and it's, and it, what I love about it is that it's things that we can all do, right? It's like nothing, nothing, not, not in a bad way, but nothing special about you that you did different that, no, that other people 100%. can't do. This is dupl- duplicatable. 
<laughs> I was like trying to speak it out with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, well, man, anyways, I appreciate you saying yeah. that. Like I do. I hope I added some value, honestly. Like tons. Love giving back whenever I can. And uh, yeah, well, you're gonna regret saying that. Soon. What if people want to get a hold of you <laughs> and uh, maybe ask you some questions, or maybe want to hitch a ride with you in your RV, or <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever? Is there a good way for them to get a hold of you? There is. So our Instagram handle, it's me and Aaron, my girlfriend, is my nomad pad. Nice. M Y N O M A D P A D. Um, and then you can reach out to me via email, literally at any time. Uh, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, middle initial is P as in Paul, and then Donnelly, D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, 84 at Gmail. So yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, you know, that's, that's, I've realized that's the best way for people to reach out and then we can just set up a time to talk or, you know, I'm happy to share the letter that I'm sending out in Atlanta or just give any value that I can. Dude, love that. Love that. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on. And there definitely was a ton of value. And even if, which is not going to be the case, but even if nobody else got a ton of value out of it, I did. Um, I know a ton of people, pretty much everybody who listened to this is going to have something to take away from this because it was it was a top-notch episode. So I really appreciate it and cannot wait to hear how the journey goes when you get your new machines in and your next mailer campaign. And you just got a lot of cool, exciting stuff going on. So looking forward to hearing the update here in the future. Appreciate it, man. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Anytime. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. What a super, super cool episode that was. I mean, Tom is... I mean, it's like that whole lifestyle design thing, right? He is designing the life that he wants. He's living it and he's he's investing in a way that allows him to live uh, life the way that he wants to live it. So he's truly designing his lifestyle. So very cool, very inspirational. I took a lot of inspiration from that because um, I have some interesting things that I want to do with my life and, you know, always trying to figure out, okay, how can I set my investments up to, to give me the freedom and flexibility to do those things. So very cool that he's doing that and super cool that he came and just shared all this wisdom and, and, and a lot of his mindset stuff too. I loved, love, love just his mindset stuff. Now, every week I encourage you take one thing, one thing that you can take from this podcast and put it into action because we can learn and and you know listen and watch videos and read all, all we want and we could learn a, a bunch of book knowledge stuff but if we're not putting it into action it does it's not going to get us where we want to go right so pick one thing put it into action for me this week the one thing that I'm going to, to just take away and try to put into action I loved like absolutely loved his concept of, you know, he says, I give myself a set number of time to do my research and then I make a decision and then I take action. And I just love that formula. And I think I would benefit from doing that. Um, not just my laundromats, my business stuff, but in a whole bunch of areas of my life, really, uh, where I can kind of tend to drag my feet. Um, and I, I just love, Hey, okay. I got two weeks to, you know, do what I need to do or three months or whatever the case may be. And then I need to make a decision. And then once I've made a decision, I need to take action on that decision. Keep things moving forward. Uh, love that. 
Absolutely loved it. All right. Hope you gained a ton from the 50th episode of the Laundromat Resource Podcast. Cannot wait to see you next week for number 51, where we start the back half of our first century of podcasts. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you next week on the Laundromat Resource Podcast. This is Jordan. Peace.